How many of you saw the space shuttle fly over? Wow. Why was that such a big deal? Your dad helped build it. What was that? End of an era. Once in a lifetime thing. I, I had chills as we were watching it go by, and it was a little harder to see from here, but I know at Disneyland it was right over some of your houses. But as we saw the shuttle, it, it wasn't about this one little flyover with, with a shuttle on top of an airplane. As I talked with people and saw the pictures that you all put on Facebook really fast, uh, amazing. Uh, pictures like that, for instance, I think that's Jacob's. I need to give credit to where credit's due. Jacob, I'm using that in Sunday school, just so you know. Uh, it stirred so many different emotions. It stirred so many different thoughts. For me, my thoughts weren't about the flyover, but but about the entire program, about the end of an era of manned space flight. I remembered in my mind the disasters. I remembered the successes. I remembered the very first launch and watching that. And, and all of those things put together may seem like little incidents, but the, the emotion of the moment was all of it put together, wasn't it? And for those of you that, that have lived through that era, you know exactly what I'm saying. It was a special moment of, of watching the shuttle fly over. Probably wondering what that has to do with Colossians. This morning, as we've finished studying through Colossians and Philemon, we've been going through all the little details, all the little events, all the little launches, if you will, of the shuttle and, and digging it apart and digging into Scripture. But today is about taking a step back. Taking a step back and, and looking at the big picture what are the broad themes of Colossians? What is the big picture of Philemon? What was God trying to communicate to the church at Colossae and to Village Bible Church in 2012? And so this morning, we're worshiping through the book. We'll be reading through the book. A number of you will be reading. And just as we come to read it, I want to, to review some of the broad themes that Paul wove throughout the writing. So that way, as we read, as you hear words you can say, that's, that's important. That's a theme. And sometimes if we remember those ahead of time, it helps us understand what we read so much more. The, the big picture of Colossians and Philemon is really what does it mean to live in Christ? Part of the sermon title, or the, the, the series title, was Discovering Life in Christ. And we saw that half of the verses, half of the verses in Colossians mentioned Jesus Christ and being in Christ and what He had done and so the big picture for Paul is it's about being in Christ. The Christian walk is about living in Christ. And he broke it down into two main themes of what that meant. The first is answering the question, what does it mean to believe in Christ? And that's where we saw deeply rooted as one of our themes. And the second question he asks is, it's great to believe in Christ, but unless you put that into practice, it doesn't mean anything. And so the second half of the book is, what does it mean to live in Christ? To follow Christ? And that's where we got the radically changed portion of the book. And on the first page of your notes, I just listed out deeply rooted and radically changed and some of the themes of the book that are woven into those categories. When Paul writes about being deeply rooted... He, hold, he says we need to hold, to hold deeply to the deity of Christ. 
We need to have a deep hold of the deity of Christ, a reverence and submission to Christ as preeminent, as creator, as head of all things. We need to have a deep appreciation for the saving work of Christ. Not just, I've got my fire insurance, I'm good to go, but a deep appreciation that is grateful to God for His work every moment of every day. We're to have a deep commitment to know and live by God's Word. And we'll see that as we, as we listen to God's Word, how that keeps coming out over and over. And then a deep commitment to prayer is mentioned several times over and over throughout both books because that represents a dependence on Christ, being deeply rooted in Christ and who He is. And under the radically changed portion, you have seven things listed there. We saw in five, six verses that a radically changed person because of who Christ is will have a radical thanksgiving to Christ in all things. And radical was one of those words, I'm like, I don't know, should I use that? It shows that I was alive in the 70s and, and all that stuff. But radical means different, completely different from culture. So I couldn't come up with a better word that was a complete shift from culture. And in a culture that loves to complain, a person that lives in Christ gives radical thanksgiving to Christ. A person that lives in Christ radically removes the remnants of the old man, seeks out sin, seeks out the the remainders of sin in our life, and gets rid of them. We see that a person that lives in Christ has a radical love for the saints. It's committed to unity of Christ's church. We see that a person that lives in Christ has a radical desire to proclaim the gospel. As you hear the books, hear how many times Paul references the gospel. A person that lives in Christ has a radical life of worship. Every moment brings Christ glory and desires to bring Christ glory. And then we're to have radical forgiveness, even when we're hurt, even when it costs us. And then finally, radical and risky discipleship. As we see Paul, as he's, he's talking with Philemon, and, and he's discipling Philemon, take great risks, and radically treat him as an equal and as a partner, and disciple him. Disciple him. And so as we read through the books, listen for those themes. Listen for them and catch them. There's, there's some space in your notes just with lines. I encourage you as you listen to write down a verse or write down a thought that, that God speaks to you with His Word that He challenges you with. You can read along. You can just listen. And after we read, we'll respond a little bit. Something we may not be comfortable with on a Sunday morning. But we'll respond together and, and, and talk about it a little bit and pray through it. Because I believe Colossians and Philemon has so much to say for Village Bible Church today and for our efforts to, to enter into discipleship. And so picture with me Tychicus, Onesimus, and maybe Epaphras coming and showing up at the church and said, We have something from Paul. We have something from Paul. And everyone's all excited and say, let's read it. Pray with me for a moment. Dear Lord God, our Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. You would help us to see the big picture of what it means to live in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians 1, 1 through 23. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers of Christ in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which was come to you as indeed in the world. It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood. The grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is faithful minister to Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and on all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in the body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make them known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all this, his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen my face, seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance 
of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, <clears throat> impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds together 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants lean and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open us to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, an account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demos. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, 
and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I, may, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. If you were sitting there, you heard that letter for the first time. What did you hear? What would have spoken to you? What would God have stirred in your heart? You guys can talk. Set your mind on things above. Release your old self. It has no power over you if you're saved. What verses stood out to you? Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Amen. I like that. The gospel in two verses. That changes everything. Radically changes us. What else? What else stood out to you? Every minute in Christ. You can't get away from it in those books, can you? Just over and over. And by repetition, he's showing that it's part of every aspect of life. Paul's love for the church, that, that, that absolutely, and that keeps coming out in, in his, his letters over and over. What a way to minister. Someone over here was starting to talk. Yeah. Overflowing with thanksgiving. And I, I've read through the book before, but as we studied it, I didn't realize how many times thanksgiving came up. It's like he added it on to every thought. <laughs> By the way, you should be people of thanksgiving. That, that's convicting. Anyone else? Be bearing fruit and increasing in knowledge. Sort of marching orders for the saints. Lord God, I pray for our church. I pray that you would challenge us to be a church that lives Christ-like and lives in Christ every moment of the day, Lord. I pray that you would refine us, that you would purge away any impurities that keep us from doing that that we may serve you, that we may proclaim the gospel and bring you glory in all things. Lord, I pray that your word would not return void, but that it would stir our hearts to know you deeply and to be a people that are so different from the world that we shine your gospel every moment of the day. Lord, we as your church humbly bow in reverence to you and in submission to all you ask us to do. Because you are the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things. 
praise you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why Colossians and Philemon? A couple blanks on your notes and then we'll, we'll worship again, we'll sing again. But why Colossians and Philemon? And, and the first reason we studied that is these principles that are in these books of living in Christ, they directly prepare a church for discipleship. They directly prepare a church for village for discipleship. Our theme this year is reproduce. How are we going to disciple each other? You can't go wrong if you start with Colossians. And disciple each other to be deeply rooted in Christ and know Christ. And disciple each other to put that into practical application. The second thing in your notes is that we study these books so that we can be the church God wants us to be. To be the church that God intends because we are His church, not our church.